Hello, and welcome to the Wild River Podcast. I'm your host, Sam, and I'm a coach, an energy healer, a human design reader, and a lawyer. The message I share through my platform, Wild River, is simple. Live from the heart, connect to the body, and root into earth to live an awake, empowered, and aligned life. On this podcast, we examine what that means and what that looks like. We explore spirituality, intuition, human design, the power of expression, and the many tools that can help you live authentically, confidently, and intentionally. I'm thrilled and so, so grateful that you are here. Thank you for joining me. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Wild River Podcast. This is Sam and I'm really excited to be here because I'm bringing this episode with a friend and a mentor of mine, Emily the Medium. I first heard Emily, I talk about it on this podcast, on my best friend and collaborator, Nadia Lasts, her podcast, um, over about a year and a half ago, I think maybe even before that. But I first worked with Emily this summer through November. So I'm recording this in mid-December, so pretty recently. And I worked with her through a mediumship mentorship. She mentored me to help me connect with my medium and channeling abilities. I had signed up for that because I've been doing energy healing for folks for about a year and a half, and I wanted to understand those gifts more. I was, I'm channeling some sort of energy in these healings, and people are having these really big experiences, these really moving and powerful experiences. And you can read a little bit more about my energy healing offerings, um, which I, I'm still offering one-off, but I might just fully integrate into my coaching work and not offer them one-on-one. I'm not sure. But anyway, you can read about them on my website. So I started having these like really interesting experiences and people were having these really powerful experiences and I didn't fully understand what was happening and I wanted to understand it more so I could support it. I didn't fully get it, but I was like, there's a reason this is happening. This is a gift. And I want to be able to use this gift to support others the best I can. I did not think I had the ability to channel in the sense I didn't think I could connect with someone's guides and deliver messages to them. And that's kind of how I consider channeling. The way I define channeling is the ability to connect with a soul or a consciousness, anybody with ideas who are not living on this earth right now or who are not speaking human. So some people consider like you could channel your cat to like um, connect with a cat who's living. Um, But I I usually think of it as outside of the earth realm and are able to provide messages to people who are living as humans right now on earth. And so this could include anything from someone's grandmother who passed away five years ago to an angels, to spirit guides who were maybe your parents in a past life, to guides who have not incarnated on earth ever or not, you know, for a very, very long time, who are living in different dimensions, who are living in different plant, like different parts of the galaxy. I'll speak a little bit more about this, but I didn't think I could do that. And in fact, I can't. And this really started flourishing with this medium with this mentorship with Emily. And so I'm really grateful for her. And it didn't just come out of nowhere. I've been really working on my intuition and my channel for a long time. And I've been working with my teacher and my friend, Danny Dillard, who I speak about often uh, for two and a half years. And Danny's a really powerful Akashic channel. 
her um, website's called Nectar Healing House. Danny Dillard, she's great. I really recommend her sessions too. It's been activating and it's been working, but I didn't know. And so I didn't start channeling for people till maybe two months ago. And all of a sudden, all this really powerful information was coming through. And I was like, holy smokes, there's really something here. I have, that's led me to create some offerings, which I'll tell you about in a second, but I'm really excited to have Emily here because she's been important on my path and she's just a really talented medium and channel. And she has had an interesting story. And what we talk about in today's episode is kind of like what it's like in her life. Like, what does it feel like? What, like, what does she have to work with? What, what, how did this happen for her? She has a lot of clarity in her channel. Like she really sees a lot. She's able to pull a lot of information. And she talks about this in the episode, but she really focuses on beings who are souls who have, who either lived on this earth, like a pat, like a grandmother, for instance, and connecting with them or beings that will like a spirit baby. So they're, they have souls right now. They're going to incarnate in earth, but they haven't yet. And you can connect with them. And that's really cool because it's very different than my gifts. I don't really have a lot of like specificity with like, this is your grandmother. Like if someone was like, I really want to connect with my dad who passed away, I might be able to receive some messages I have before, but I'm going to, my gifts are much more around this greater guidance. It's not as specific as that, but there are, there are channels and mediums. And sometimes we use the word channel and medium interchangeably who have that ability Emily is one of those people and you can go and you can get them some specificity with that. And it's really, really cool. So I'm excited to have her on here. I'm excited to be speaking more about this. I have a feeling that I will be speaking more about it and that this will become a pretty big part of my work because I'm really, really excited. And there's something that's happening with this channeling that like, I just feel a sense of alignment and energy behind that. I, I haven't with anything else in wild river, even human design. Like I love human design, but I haven't felt it just from my plain human design readings, like I do with my channeling sessions and the feedback that I receive is so powerful. And the experiences that many people are having are been so positive that it's making me really excited. So this is also a really fun day because right after I finish recording this introduction, it's mid-December when I'm recording this. So wherever this finds you, um, whenever this finds you, it's the perfect timing, but it's mid-December now it's snowing outside where I live in Vermont. And I'm about to update my website with my first two official channeled off channeling offerings. I've been doing practice sessions. I've done over 20 practice sessions. And so I've gotten to learn quite a bit. And what I've decided to do is one, an hour long session and an hour and a half session. And the hour long session right now, I'm thinking I'll call them clarity calls. It starts with like 10 to 15 minutes of energy healing, just like you're sitting down, you're on the computer, but you're, I, we walk through a, a grounding meditation. We do some really gentle energy healing just to kind of prepare the body to help create a sense of groundedness and safety so it feels good to receive. It feels protective and safe to receive these messages. Your heart feels open. And then we talk about intentions and questions. It's really important that when people come to me, they have something, a question or intention because channel channeling sessions are really collaborative. It's not just like, okay, you come and I just open up. Um, they really are collaborative in hearing from you of, you know, why are you here? What led you to here? It doesn't have to be super refined. It could be even like, I'm feeling kind of stuck or I'm feeling really excited about my career and I just want to know what can support me. The interesting thing about channeled sessions, at least mine, is I'm not predictive. 
Like, I don't tell you, oh, this is going to happen or you should do this. I've had people come and say, I've been in a relationship for 10 years. I'm thinking about leaving it. What should I do? It's not my job. And I don't think I've never had the guide say, oh, you should do this. What I can provide is guidance of here are things to think about. Here here are things to consider in making your decision. Here are the sorts of things that you need to know. Often it relates to, it's often simple truths, um, but but they're delivered in a way that feels really resonant and powerful and true. That's the message I keep getting from people. This feels so true and it feels so emotional. Like I feel it so much in my body. Often in my sessions, there's an emotional release, not always, but often. And anyway, so we'll do some intentions and then we'll talk about it. And the thing that I'm doing that I think is really cool and I really like doing is that I'll channel for some time. I close my eyes, my voice changes. I almost feel like I'm an intercom, like where my body is just the intercom and the guides are speaking through me. They use, they phrase things differently than I would. They use different wording than I would. I don't really, I'm not consciously thinking about it. Like I'm just speaking it and then I'm hearing it at the same time that the person I'm channeling for is, which is like a really wild experience and can be a little bit freaky for people. That's why I'm kind of making sure I say that because I've gotten that feedback. Like I was not expecting your voice to change. I'm going to try to record some videos of me channeling so people can get like an idea of what it looks like and what it's like. Um, And you can see if, you know, if you're curious about it. But the thing that's been really fun is after I'll channel for a few minutes, we kind of, I let it land and I let the person kind of take it in and then I hear their thoughts and then we unpack it. If it, sometimes it needs to be unpacked or it's like, this is really powerful and it's kind of moved me or this is really powerful, but like, how do I implement this? And that's where I get to kind of put on a little bit of my coaching hat and my mentorship hat and provide some like useful like practical steps. And I know that I'm still very much guided in those because I come up with all these exercises and ideas that I've never thought about before. Like I've never considered before. It helps to provide some like, okay, so let's say the guides were kind of guiding you to focus on self-love. Like what are some specific activities for you to help you work with self-love? Because self-love is kind of abstract. And so they're simple truths, but I think my job is kind of helping to integrate it. I remember when I first did channeling sessions four and a half years ago, like when I was the person receiving them, I still get them, of course, but when I was the person first receiving them, I would get these really powerful, like the the channel would be channeling all this really powerful information for me. And then I wouldn't really know what to do with it. And I would need to go to my therapist and we need to unpack it for like several sessions in a row. And my hope is to kind of avoid some of that, that when people leave these sessions, they have some like actual grounded ways to work with it and to do something with it. Um, the, I have an off also I'm offering a 90 minute session that includes human design with it. So it'll be all the things I just said, some energy healing, some channeling, and then we'll use like 30 minutes, maybe a little bit more to go into the human design chart and be grounded with human design. And this isn't like a full human design reading. Actually at the moment, I'm, I'm planning on taking off my traditional human design readings from my, um, from my website. This isn't a full human design reading. This is looking at human design and being like, how can we look at this with the lens of this intuitive guidance and pull out what would be really helpful and ground it with this like practical information and, and look at your chart in this context. I think it's going to be really cool to combine energy healing, human design, a little bit of coaching and a fair amount of channeling all in one session. Like it feels like it's like this perfect kind of 
like I'm wrapping up all the modalities that I work with and a little bit of somat somatic work um, because that's part of it too. And like getting into the body all at once. I'm really excited. So I'm, I'm excited to be sharing it with you guys. I hope it's, I hope it's interesting. I hope it's really beneficial. I've gotten really, really, really profound feedback, kind of staggering feedback of the potential here and what, and the, of the experiences. And I feel really grateful that I am able to do this and that I feel like it's not really means like it's not, it's flowing through me and it it is my job to be a, to be a clear channel and to, to support my body and to stay really emotionally clear so I can do this. But I also feel really lucky that it's almost like I've, it's like, it feels like a calling kind of like I've been called into it. Before we get into this episode, I want to provide some of the core concepts of like what channeling is and, and, and so it hopefully will make it a little bit easier to follow along with this episode. I, I think it's pretty accessible, but I also have been interested in listening and consuming information about this stuff for four and a half years. So it, you know, I can't totally remember what it might feel like if this is new. So the basic tenant of, or what I view as the basic tenant of channeling, and I would put mediumship into that category. So I consider mediumship to be kind of a type of channeling. Mediumship tends to relate to people who were alive at one point on this earth. Um, so someone who has passed away, but channeling is broader. You can be channeling beings from all over the galaxy, from all different dimensions, including ones that have not incarnated. So haven't been alive on this earth now or potentially at any time. A core tenet of this is this belief that we are souls having a human experience. Before I incarnated as this woman, I was a soul that existed before. And after I die, I will go back into the spirit realm as a soul. That's where I imagine that we go between times being on this earth. We go back into the spirit realm. And so I'm a soul that's here on earth to have a human experience. And when we came on earth, we experienced amnesia. From what I understand, I don't, I, I can't about, like affirm this, but from what I've heard from a lot of different sources, this earth is one of the only places that we go that we experience full amnesia, that we forget that we are coming from the spirit realm. And that's part of our growth experiences. But when we get to connect with the spirit realm, we can access these really beautiful support and guidance and love. And we understand that we're never alone and we're always supported. We have access to love everywhere we want, you know, all the time. So when I'm channeling, I'm channeling the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, there's tons of souls. There's infinite. And they have all these different characteristics. Some of them can kind of, oh yeah, this is another thing I want to say. It's like we're a soul and there are characteristics to the soul. But when we come onto the spirit realm, it's almost like we put on a costume. It's like we put on this earth suit and it involves our body. You know, my green eyes, my, you know, five, six, seven, five foot, seven inches frame born a female, identify as a female. But we also put on other parts of our earth suit, like certain identities and characteristics that we have in this life, talents that we have that may not be like, you know, something that we always carry back to us in our souls. And when we pass away or we die, we can connect. Or when people do that, we can connect with those souls and we can channel them in. and some of them will kind of appear to us as if the people that we knew in this life, because it helps us relate to them and understand them. And then some are 
our souls that we knew in past lives that were connected in our soul family, but we don't recognize from this life. And then many are other guides and they're guides here to support us and to support our mission here because it's very difficult to come onto earth. So we have a whole team around us. And then there are other beings who are looking out after earth, like the ascended masters, and you can relate, you can kind of call on them and you can channel them and you can receive information from them, but they may not be specific to you. There's all these different collections of beings. And a lot of people talk about channeling a group called the Palladians that are related to the Palladian star system, the Syrians, the Zs, there's all these different groups. I don't know specifically who I'm channeling, except that they're guides or ascended masters. Um, Maybe I'll learn more over time. I'm getting the feeling that it's not that important, that it's like my human mind wants to know. But as long as the I always set up boundaries, so I'm I'm channeling information that is really high vibrational and loving in nature. And it doesn't super matter if I totally understand the name for me. Not everybody feels like that. Some people know exactly who they're channeling and they always get that information and it's really important to them. So there's this concept that when we're here, we have this team behind us and it's filled with ancestors that we knew in this life or that were important to us, but maybe we didn't know like my grandpa, grandfather's grandfather, but they're like connected to us on an ancestral level. And then there are people who are in our soul family. And this is the idea that souls incarnate with different relationships. So like I've, I've know that me and my fiance Chapman have had many, many, many lifetimes together. I believe that me and my really good friend Nadia have had many, many lifetimes together. My sisters, like my parents, like I really believe that we have traveled together and we've had many lifetimes together, but the relationships may look different. In this relationship, maybe we're siblings and we're friends. And then last one, it could have been parent-child or, or romantic relationships or whatever it is. It could even be like pet. But we also work together in soul families, not just kind of like biological families. And then there are these other guides that may be connected to our soul's mission that are not from this like specific experience. So anyway, that's who we're channeling. That's kind of how it works. Um, The information just flows through me. It's hard to put words to it, but if people are interested, I can try to. And I think that's kind of the background that I want to provide right now. This is a pretty lengthy episode, so I don't want to make it too much longer. Um, But if you like this episode, reach out. Let me know your feedback. Let me know if you want more episodes like these. I'm super interested in this sort of thing. So if other people are interested too, I'll create more episodes. I can interview other types of channels. I can share more information on this. If you have questions, roll them in. I'd love to hear them. And I'm really glad you're here. Thank you for being part of this evolving journey for me. I am feel very excited and honored, and I'm grateful for you spending your time with me. For anybody who's listening to this shortly after it comes out, I'm wishing you a happy, peaceful, or loving holiday and a very happy new year, a joyful year ahead, an expansive year, a safe year. Sending my love to you. Hello, everyone. I am sitting with my friend, my mentor, Emily, Emily the Medium, and I'm so excited. Emily, um, I first learned about Emily through Nadia last podcast. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know my best friend, my business collaborator, Nadia. She's been on like half of these episodes. She, I don't remember um, how she met 
Emily, but she had readings with Emily, mediumship readings, and then invited Emily onto her podcast. And I specifically remember listening. I remember where I was. I was walking in um, the Lower East Side of Manhattan shortly before I moved to Vermont, listening to Emily talk about the changes that are happening in this world and feeling such a resonance and being like, oh my God, I want a reading from her. And like, I want to work with her. And at that point, she was shifting her focus to other projects and was not doing new readings. I joined her wait list and like checked in on it a few times and then kind of just like didn't really think about it very much and continued on with my life. A year later, she sends an email to her newsletter saying, um, Hey, I'm opening up mediumship mentorship spots. Email me if you're interested. And I just had this immediate hit of, okay, I think I want to do this. At that point, I was doing a, um, I was doing energy healing and certain clients were having these really powerful experiences, but I wasn't really understanding what was happening energetically. So I thought, okay, I'd love some support to understand this more. I emailed Emily. It was an amazing experience. I cannot recommend it highly enough. And, um, and she has helped me grow into all these different capabilities. But before I keep going on my story, Emily, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Um, how are you doing today? Sam, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on your podcast. And it's very cool just to to hear the evolution of how our paths eventually came together. So it's so great. And I am doing fantastic. I am really, truly happy, so happy to be here and so excited to be chatting with you. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. And this is really fun because Emily and I also recorded another podcast that will come out a little after this just last week. So we've had a little bit of these. A lot of of FaceTime together Uh, lately. I know. know. I've missed you, Sam. I love it. It's amazing. Um, Emily, would you introduce your work to this audience? Yes, absolutely. So I am a psychic medium. I am a healer. I am a spirit baby medium. I do intuitive development and psychic development and mediumship development work with people. Those are, those are kind of the, the main things. You know, I'm, I'm really passionate about um, giving readings to people all over the world when I can. Um, but I'm also equally as passionate about really bringing people into their own awareness of their abilities, wherever they're at, kind of on their on their path. You know, I have people coming to me who are so like, they're just like brand new and they're just like, what is this and what's happening to me? And, you know, kind of people like right at the beginning of their path where they're like, what is going on? Am I going crazy? Am I, you know, like I'm experiencing all these things. And um, so I love helping people from that point and people who are already sort of developed in their path, but are looking to go deeper. So that's what you were speaking of. That's one of the things that that we got to do together this year, which was, which was so amazing. So yeah, I do, I do multiple different things. I also support families um, and couples uh, and, and, and individuals as well um, on their path to connecting with the energies of the children that, um, they've either they've either had or will have in the future. So that's another part of my work, working kind of within the infertility, um, infertility challenges community, which is a big, beautiful, um, very close to my heart part of my work as well. Well, I love that, and I'm so excited to talk to you about this. And and I think where we're going to be going in this episode is really talking about the life of a medium and and the different experiences, explaining a little bit more about it, talking about what this path looks like. There's always so much curiosity around it, I think for really good reason. It's something that there's mysticism, but there also can be misunderstandings about the role of um, people who have these gifts or what it feels like. 
I would love to start with your story, Emily. And, um, you know, I was telling Emily before we started recording, I don't know it. So I'm really eager to find out. Tell me about when you tell me, actually, let's go back to childhood. What were you like as a child? Yeah, and that's really that's really truly where it started and where I usually begin my story anyway. So you're you're right on the on the dot there. Um so as a child I was you know, my, my parents, as I've talked to them after, after the fact, you know, they were basically like kind of, I was their first child, first girl, um, first, first girl born at the family, second grandchild to my grandparents. So, um, and first child to my parents. And so, you know, I don't know if they really knew what to expect with me coming into the world. And, you know, the first couple months they were kind of like, this is hard. And I was one of those, those kids that my parents were like, we don't know for having other children because this is really difficult. Um, and then my brother came along and they were like, he's an angel, you know? Um, so, but, but it's, it's, it's something that I kind of laugh at and understand now because I understand and I'm watching lots of these parents parenting sensitive children. And I'm like, I get it. It's tough. There can be really difficult elements to that. So anyway, I was just a child who was in extraordinarily sensitive in, in almost every way that you can think of it. Um, sleep, food, clothing, like sound, light. In the education system, I didn't really thrive. I needed a lot of help. I had like a special education support program. I had to like leave the classroom to do tests and do homework. And I was always like, there was just a lot of elements of my early childhood life where there was a lot of clues that Hey, you know, something is is different about this 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 human being and I don't think that in the time that I was growing up that people really had the language or the understanding to know how to support children like me, which is another, you know, part of this work that I'm passionate about about supporting parents with children um and supporting children just in general whether they, you know, realize that they're sensitive or not or psychic or intuitive or this sort of thing. So that that you know there was there was a lot of of that happening and then also the other thing is that I didn't really um sleep much when I was when I was a child because I was so as I said I was so sensitive that there was just always things going on in my room at night as soon as the lights went out and you know my mom would be putting me to bed and I'd be like do you see that old guy like standing in the corner of my bedroom you know like tipping his hat at me and she'd be like no, you know, go to bed. Um, and, and, you know, so, so that was always, always happening. And when I've done certain kind of, because some of my memories actually from my childhood are repressed because a lot of it was actually, um, quite traumatic because I was sensitive and scared all the time. And I didn't feel that I was really, you know, I didn't feel like I had the support or the comfort all of the time to kind of help me through that, that, that period of time. But, you know, since I've done regressions um, in, in, in back into those memories, now that I'm adult, an adult, you know, seeing through the eyes of like my six-year-old self, I mean, my bedroom just looked like Grand Central Station with just like tons of energy in it, like just people walking through and just very, very intense. And I didn't know how to regulate it. I didn't know how to make them go away. I didn't know how to make things stop. I remember having dreams of what I now understand of past life memories when I was a child, very traumatic, very heavy, very dense, very intense past life memories. So there was just a, a, a lot happening. And, uh, and, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a very difficult time from what I remember about those, those times, it was very difficult. And I didn't feel that I could really be 
the same. I remember looking at other kids and seeing how happy and carefree they were and they didn't, they weren't worrying about things. And then I would kind of, they would be like, what's wrong? Like, what are you thinking about? And I would just rattle off all the different things that I was thinking about or worrying about. And they'd be like, whoa, I was just worrying if like I was going to get to go over to my friend's house after school, you know, like it was just, there was a, a big contrast in how other children that I was, you know, around were experiencing their lives versus how I was experiencing my life and sort of the things that were plaguing me and things I was thinking about, you know, started to going to therapy and sleep therapy from a very young age. And uh, there was just, there was a lot happening. And so, you know, as I progress, things started to kind of, um, taper off around age 10. Um, and this just so happened to coincide with the time that I moved into a new home. And it was like a brand new home, like a brand new build, whereas houses I'd lived in before were older and there was more energy imprints in those homes. And so I remember the first night in this new home and it was like I slept through the night for the first time in 10 years. And I remember waking up, like kind of floating gently out of sleep on that first morning. I was on like an air mattress on the floor of this new room. There was no furniture. And I remember waking up so happy. I like woke up happy crying because I was like, I slept through the night. You know, I felt safe to sleep through the night. And it was such a beautiful moment. And so after that, you know, I really, and, 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 and there's lots of different ways that I could describe this, but the way I'll describe it now is that I semi-consciously made a decision that the first 10 years of my life were so difficult with my levels of sensitivity moving through elementary school and, you know, preparing to kind of get ready to start thinking about going into um, high school. And I knew that it was going to be almost impossible for me to, I just had this semi-conscious, like, you have to shut this down or it's going to be very difficult for you to move through the next 10 years of your life in in one piece. It's going to be hard. And so I semi-consciously kind of made a decision to like turn the sensitivity dial down as, as far down as I could get it. And I don't know how I did it now. You know, I, I remember praying every night before I went to bed, just like, please, like make this go away. Like, I don't want to feel this anymore. It's, it's not, it's not enjoyable for me. So anyway, so they did. And I was able to have almost 10 years of, you know, blissful ignorance and teenage, you know, just experiences. And I did it all. Um, and it was, it was fun, you know, it was fun to be able to kind of live the way that those kids when I was younger were living just sort of fun and carefree for the most part. I mean, not always, but for the most part. And, uh, and from that point, you know, when I was graduating high school, that's when it was almost like my hall pass was up and it was kind of like TikTok, like times, you know, you took this time off, but now you got to get back to it. And so when I was graduating high school, I remember having a dream that basically showed me, you know, two paths that I could go. It's basically like, you know, it's the time where I was deciding, okay, am I going to go to university? Am I going to go to college? Am I not going to do that? Am I going to figure out something else I'm going to do? And I felt strongly as all my friends were applying to go to university and college, et cetera, I was like, I'm not going to go. And I, I didn't apply to anywhere. And it was like, you know, the, the, a month before the university semesters were due to start and everybody was going away or preparing to go away. And that's when I kind of got talked into, no, okay, I should go to college. And right. It was like really this defining moment of if I hadn't gone to college, perhaps there would have been, you know, different, um, way that it was, you know, different things that would have happened. But then I also met my husband when I was in college. I also met two of my best friends. So I can kind of see now why, 
it had to happen in the way that it happened, even if it did, you know, take a couple extra years of, you know, and a couple thousand dollars of, you know, sp- spending uh, spending money on, on on this education that, you know, is collecting dust. But it's okay. It was it was okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, so so anyway, I made it out of college, and right around that time, actually, while I was still in college, is when I had my kind of really full spectrum, you know, what we would call sort of awakening or spiritual awakening, where I was able to put all the pieces together of, you know, my childhood experiences, my sensitivity, that, you know, my intuition was was something that I could listen to and trust and start to follow and getting all of these beautiful signs and symbols and synchronicities and dream, prophetic dreams started happening. And so this was all kind of a, um, in 2015, actually, right around the time, uh, end of 2014, beginning of 2015, also right around the time that I met my husband. So there was a lot happening there, um, meeting my husband and um, having the spiritual awakening. And yeah. what triggered the awakening? Like, why Why then? It's, it's a great question. I think, I mean, I have a couple of theories. I think I was in a place in my life where I felt safe to explore. I think that's what it was. I had my husband around. I had beautiful friends who supported me no matter what. Um, I had kind of a, a friend who was sort of already a couple, you know, um, like about a year into her own spiritual path. So I felt like I sort of had somebody to bounce things off of. It just felt like I had the support and I felt safe. I really think I I love that you said that. Sometimes, you know, you, we often hear about spiritual awakenings. Like it or not necessarily even awakenings, but this like major shifts, life shifts happening when you, that that are awakening in many ways of there's a crisis or, you know, that can be lost. That can be something terrible, health crisis, whatever it is, or like you get what you always wanted. And of course those things can be true. But for me, even though mine, it was crisis in nature, it was a a crisis that happened eight years before. I wasn't in crisis. In fact, I was in safety. And I think my spiritual awakening happened when it did because I was, for the first time in many, I had a deep sense of safety and support around me. I had this like really deep, I would I would basically say unconditional love for my partner. Although I think with partnership, I actually think it's semi-healthy to have a little bit of conditions there. Yes. Um, or But but this deep, deep love, this support, this connection to my body. I knew how to support myself for the first time I was like caring for my body. So there was this sense of safety that was like, okay, we can open now and it won't be disastrous. Like we can open now and you can handle it. Yes. And I think there's some, there's wisdom and there's kindness and whatever the powers that be that support timing, even if it's our higher self being like, we're going to, we're going to help this. So it's not a traumatic experience for you to open. I completely agree. And I think that that's something that I still speak about and, and, and sort of, you know, for people who are wherever they're at on their path, that's something I still speak about because that's so important. It's like the timing is very important, you know, feeling like you are going to be safe and supported and that your nervous system can kind of handle new influxes of energy. And, you know, there's, there's lots of scriptures and texts that say like, you know, it, it went, if you had an awakening before your nervous system or your body was kind of ready to start to handle it, or you had the tools to start to handle it, it would be, you know, too much. And there would kind of be perhaps like a short circuit or this sort of thing. So I think it's absolutely, it, it's so true. And, you know, when I look back at that time, it was such a beautiful time in my life. Like it was so amazing to start to 
see all of these things and see the world in ways that I had never seen before and see myself in ways that I had never seen before. I mean, it's got that kind of just sweet, nostalgic feeling of like, you know, when, when I have people come to me and they start talking about it, I'm kind of like, I'm not jealous, but I'm just like, oh, I love that. I remember it. It was so beautiful. It was so, um, not all of it was beautiful. Obviously there was difficult parts that came after it, but you know, there is that, the beginning kind of like rose colored glasses, that like beautiful stage at the beginning where it's like, wow, this is like the universe and the world and me and my soul and intuition and all these kinds of things. It was so, so beautiful. I still look back on that time with great fondness. And you were pretty young for a spiritual awakening. Did you Mm -hmm. feel, do you feel like you were young for it? I do. Yeah, it was certainly, it was, it was young. And, you know, I've asked about, I've asked about this before about, you know, why, and I believe that everybody awakens at the age that is, you know, again, just as we spoke to before, you know, if it's safe and supportive for them, but also, you know, just at the the age around the time that they're, they're, they're supposed to. And, um, you know, basically when I've asked about it before, it was like, well, we, we needed you to basically get to work as soon as you could. You know, we already waited this like 18 years for you to be able to, you know, almost 18, 19, 20 years for you to be at the point where you could start working with this. And it's kind of like, there's no time to waste, you know? And and I'm grateful for it now. I mean, I spent most of my, almost all of my twenties now, you know, ha- having had my awakening at the beginning of my twenties and now, um, you know, approaching my thirties and I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I really wouldn't. It was such a contrast to the first 10 years, uh, you know, 10, 20 years of my life. This, this last phase has just been really beautiful. And that experience that you had when you were younger, that's almost what it can look like when awakenings happen. Cause it is, you, you're, you're born awake and yeah. why it needs to wait till their safety and their tools, because then it's just scary. Um, before we go into kind of like starting the business, I, I want to go a little bit back into some of the children's stuff, because there's a few themes that you talked about that I think are really common. The first one is fear. I encounter a lot of people, mostly recently, I have a, I have a friend who experienced this, who had visitations as children, and it was traumatic. And there's a lot of fear around opening towards that. I'm curious what, you know, how you worked with that, how, you know, what you would suggest for anybody else. Yeah. Well, I think that truly we, wherever we're at, however, however old we are, wherever we're at on our path, that we truly fear things that we don't understand. And so I was having these experiences that my, you know, six-year-old, four-year-old, however old, you know, your old brain just couldn't understand because I had no context for it and I had no reference point and nobody around me was saying, oh yeah, there's an old man in your corner. No problem. That's just an energy imprint of, you know, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have that kind of reference point. And when I did bring those things up, it was met with kind of like, (gasps) you know, oh my God, like, what is she talking about? She's talking about these things. And so I really think that we fear things that we don't understand. And even, you know, as I was speaking about going back into some of the repressed memories, some of the memories that I had that I thought like that would kind of like make me sweat and make me nervous just even thinking about them. But then when I went back into the true repressed memories, it actually wasn't scary at all. I could kind of almost view these experiences totally neutrally of like, oh, that wasn't anything scary. That was just a spirit guide coming in to visit me. That was one of the things I remember when I was around three or four, I had this memory of these three balls of light coming in through my window. My kind of bed was on this far left wall of the bedroom and my window, kind of big window on the right of the bedroom, these three balls of light coming through the window and sort of hovering in the air, sort of right in front of my my bed. And, you know, now that I know, okay, that's fine. Those were just entered. Those were just the energy of some spirit guides coming to check in on me and sort of visit me and things like that. And so 
I really think that we, yeah, we, we fear things that we don't understand or that we don't know if we don't know what's happening, then our brain kind of almost puts this automatic filter on of like, this is bad. This is scary. This is wrong. You know, your nervous system goes into to fight or flight because it can't comprehend it. It can't, it can't comprehend what it is that's going on. Um, and I think that there's parts of the brain and the body that are there to protect us, right? Something different is happening that I don't know what it is. And so the brain and the body kind of automatically react with fear. And it takes a lot of practice and work to sort of reprogram that reflex and it certainly took a lot for me too, you know, and, and it can take a lot for a lot of people who are like, I'm terrified to open up or what if bad things happen? Or I had these experiences when I was a kid and I was so scared of them. And now are those going to happen again when I open up as an adult? So that's very common. And it takes that kind of reprogramming or, and that's why I did a lot of work going into repressed memories because when I did, I was like, this isn't, this isn't as bad as I remembered at all. This is actually, this was a beautiful experience. And my mind, just my memory kind of put a filter of fear over it just because it didn't know how to process it and, and understand it basically. I love that. I think that's a great explanation and, and it provides that context. And I think, you know, I've heard for anybody who's like, I'm experiencing that. I want to open up. I've heard as Emily said, regression. So kind of past life regression, but it's not necessarily past life. It can just be prior life, but it's, I think it's usually a similar skill set. So someone yes. that you trust who does that would work. I also have um, heard that Reiki and just going back into those memories while receiving energy healing can provide that nervous system support. And you can ask to go in with a sense of safety. Like you can ask your guides and get support to remember this. I was listening to Dolores Cannon. It was in the um, New Earth and the Three Waves of Volunteers. And one of the examples that she gave in there for anyone wondering, this is a book where the the author did many, um, did past life regressions or regressions, but many of them were kind of going into this um, soul state that had this awareness of the universe outside of like the time on earth. And this woman had all this fear on opening up because when she was a child, she was visited, she was like Pleiadian or something. And she was visited by her Pleiadian family and they would come and play with her and they'd go in the yard and they would have these full play visitations. Um, she was alone a lot and then would kind of give her amnesia. And all she remembers is that there were beings there that she didn't remember. Like it was that fear of the memory. And actually the memories are really sweet and really loving, but because she didn't know how to square them and it was important that they kind of wiped her of that, it's just fear. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm describing. You got, exactly. That's the perfect example. And I remember reading about that as well. Um, and I was like, I was like a re really related to that story too. I was like, I had that experience too. I really believe we could get really kind of out there here, but I really believe as a as a human species, when we look into different, you know, ancient civilizations and 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 things like this, that it was actually very natural and um you know, normal for us to have these abilities in these times and that, you know, somewhere over the course of the last however many years, um, that, you know, these kind of being how we use, how we using these abilities and kind of, um, you know, accepting them from birth and never shutting them down and never kind of having this push pull throughout our lives, um, somewhere along the way that became, you know, not, not the norm. And so I think in a lot of ways we are all just learning how to, 
really kind of thrive and and really access the most powerful parts of these abilities in our memory and you know um opening more parts of the the brain i believe there's a lot of it that has to do with like brain repatterning and um you know somatic kind of like body work and just like letting your body know it's safe to explore and so there's a lot of different moving parts i think and that's where i kind of think it's funny it was you know there, there certainly has been like a, a a huge kind of movement towards um, spirituality and intuition and things like that in the last like you know especially let's say ten years or so, and I think just it's 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 kind of funny to me how sometimes it gets oversimplified and it's just like just do this just listen to your intuition and people are like what are you talking about like that doesn't make any sense to me because I don't have that like there's there's certain things in my brain and my body and whatever whatever else or in my consciousness that I that I. I can't grasp that concept or I don't even know what that means. That's just like totally foreign to me, which is like, I have a lot of people being like, what does that even mean? I don't even have a single reference point or context point for what that is supposed to mean. And so, you know, I think it's important when talking about these concepts to convey, you know, your, your unique experience and that everybody's going to have an individual kind of experience that is unique to them. And some people listening to this may be able to kind of find parts of Sam's experience or my experience where it's kind of like, oh yeah, I recognize myself in that. But then you also have this kind of psychic individuality and this energetic individuality where there, you know, there's, there's to discover about, okay, what are my unique gifts and what are my, perhaps, do I have any, um, you know, repressed kind of traumas or fears around these, whether that's per, current life, past life, right? Because that's a whole other thing is that there's a lot of people carrying around past life, you know, fear around using their abilities too. I have one client who um, she has a, a huge, huge fear of, you know, has, has a really, really hard time letting herself be seen. I remember I was, I was asking her for, for um, a headshot to basically attach to some of her services. And she was like, I'm not going to lie to you. I keep putting this off. I'm really scared about having my face be attached to these services that freaks me out. It, it makes me feel like somebody's going to come find me and I'm going to be harmed for doing this work. Right. So those fears are really deep in a lot of people, really, really deep in a lot of people too. So, you know, I do, I think you brought up the past life element um, earlier, I think. And, you know, I think that that's also an important thing to mention too. I, there's so much in there that you love that fear of it. And I've been told in reading so many times, like, well, you were persecuted a lot for this. I don't personally hold that fear, but it makes sense to me that I, you know, as many women would be persecuted for just being empowered or being connected um, to the point of like, we are always connected. I, my personal belief, I, I haven't seen like any like scientific literature to back this up. But my personal belief is the way that we knew that certain medicines were supportive for us and the way like turmeric could be helpful for healing or, um, you know, different herbs and the way that we knew to stay away from them was intuition that, yes. that people were so connected to the earth that they could connect with the energy of a plant and know. And of course there could be trial by error, but it, in my mind, it's, I've never been able to square that of this, like what, so we are just trying things and people are just dropping dead and it's like, okay, right. that one doesn't work. Let's try to this one. And then you just learn. Completely. No, it was intuitive. Completely. I know. And that's why it's so funny when you see those memes of people being like, like, who was the 
the first person who discovered, you know, that the muscaria mushroom, you know, is going to give you X, Y, Z, or this mush kind of mushroom was going to give you, you know, these effects. And I completely agree with you. It was just a different time where people were in a totally different kind of psychic awareness where it wasn't just like, oh, I'm just going to haphazardly, you know, throw this mushroom into my, you know, it was like, no, I'm tuning into the energy of the mushroom. And this is what this frequency of the mushroom is going to do to me. And it's actually safe for me to ingest this, or um, it's not safe for me to for me to ingest this particular plant or, you know, and that, I think that that's, I, I completely agree with you. I feel that too. And following the animal wisdom, like, wow, we notice all of our animals avoid this. And so that's another clue. And it makes sense because that sensitivity would never have been shut out in the same way because one, there wasn't the same demands and stimulation in our world. And two, there weren't the same like obligation. So kind of, I want to go back to this sensitivity part because this is really common with um, people who develop psychic awareness. Not everybody has those visions, although a lot of people do have visitations. I remember thinking that was one of the reasons why I thought, oh, I probably could never be psychic because I don't remember having any visitations. And it felt like a prerequisite. And I don't, that's not true for anyone out there. Like you can, of course, still develop these strong abilities or have them. But I was extremely sensitive. And we are talking, my younger sister was really sensitive too. And she's connected to her intuition, but I really see her in the future, really tapping into psychic abilities. I've always felt that about her, that they're really, really present. And they're just not her emphasis or her focus right now in her life. But there is this deep emotional sensitivity. And I remember I was always the one that cried. And to an age where it felt inappropriate, like, um, you know, fifth grade in, in school, sixth grade, high school. It was how I handled emotions. It was how I expressed myself. It was how I handled fear. And I would feel this fear, this overwhelm so quickly. And so then I had to shut it off because it's too embarrassing to be crying as a, even a fifth grader, it feels embarrassing. And no, no one wants to, like the teacher's like, please stop doing this. Like, it's so, like, there's a lot <laughs> of so sad. They're like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, I'm doing something so wrong. I can't help it. It's a visceral experience in my body. I can feel this, whatever is happening, I'm feeling it so much. And that, you know, emotions are so connected to intuition. Um, it's your response and your sensitivity to the world. I want to go into who has these abilities, who can have them, how they could, like, let's talk about that. Can any, Can everybody have them? Does everybody have them? What is your take on this right now? That's a great question. And I think that, you know, my answer is that I, I have a lot of people who come to me, including, you know, certain members of my family. They're like, Emily, you say that everybody can have abilities, but I don't believe you because I've never had a, a single intuitive experience in my life. And, you know, I'm like, okay, all right. Okay. Well, let's go through that. You know, let's unpack that. Right. I think that it's my opinion that having what we call, I learned this, this term in a great book that I read you know, there's this term like extra sensory abilities, right? Which, which kind of denotes like that abilities are just like an add on to the human experience of like, you could have like an extra, like, or it even kind of has this flavor of like special, you know, it's kind of like, there's a special ability that's sort of like plopped onto this person, which I don't agree with. I feel that full sensory, th this woman uses term full sensory processing, which I love this. And I try and use this term as often as I can remember to, which basically just means having abilities and engaging them and knowing how to work with them is really just bringing your kind of sensory experience 
to its fullest, most um, expansive range, which, you know, of course, most people, not not everybody, you know, some people are hearing impaired or visually impaired or this sort of thing. But, you know, we are able to see, hear, taste, smell, touch, you know, all of these physical senses that we have and that everybody has access to exploring their unique full what their unique full sensory processing experience looks like which is you know am i hearing something that's not being said in a conversation right and that's the thing when you dig into these things with people who say i don't have abilities it's like okay well tell me about your life what have people always said that you've been good at and they're like well i can always tell when someone is being dishonest and untruthful and that's what makes me a great lawyer and it's like okay there we go. <laughs> you know, it's just some may call that intuition. <laughs> right. It's just that we're not we're not like we we don't we're not programmed to kind of think that that is something that's involved in like a full sensory product. Like some of these abilities actually really integrate very easily and very seamlessly into people's everyday lives that they don't even realize what they're doing is something that is on more of the full sensory sort of psychic range of processing. Right. And that's the thing. When I start pointing out these things to people, you know, like my mom, she will swear that, you know, she's not intuitive. And, and also she was the only person in my family who, when I was a teenager and I was in my reckless rebellious phase where, you know, I was just ignoring everything that they said, she could always tell when I was lying Every time, even if my lie was airtight and it was sealed and it was solid and I had like backup evidence, she could always tell. Right. And I was like, that's something, too. So I think, you know, to answer your question, everybody has it, I think, according to some soul contract um, uh, reasons or according to, you know, certain things in our environment or our upbringing, you know, if we're coming into a family where you know, our, our, our parents are fighting to keep the lights on and heat on and food on the table, we might not feel that we have the safety or the ability to be able to explore our abilities if we're in fight or flight all the time, or if we're in, you know, a, a very religious upbringing or a very religious household. So I think there's certain things that can kind of, you know, perhaps uh, temporarily skew a person's understanding of, of the fact that they have these abilities. But I think that they're all there for every single person and just sort of laying dormant, waiting to be loved and appreciated or and understood and or, you know, having that awakening that we talked about earlier. You know, sometimes there's lots of lots of stories about my own mentor. I mean, he didn't even start understanding his abilities until he was 40. Now he's 70. He's been working for, you know, for, for, for since, since he had his awakening at age 40 till he, till age 70. And so I think that it happens at different times for people, but it's certainly there for every single person. And again, there may be circumstances where it's easier for a person to access those abilities earlier on in their life and or it just may come slightly more naturally to them where they just trust themselves a little easier maybe than the next person. But I think that it's, it's certainly it's there for everybody. I have felt that intuitively too. There's for, I want to speak to the audience who are like, I don't know if I felt intuition. I loved your example about the lying. I think that's a really good one. Another one is if you've ever walked, like let's say you went on a date and you just got a weird vibe from somebody, like something about it was just like everything on paper is good. I just don't feel that comfortable or safe with them. 
That's your intuition speaking. Um, it can be you walk into a room and everybody is saying, I'm fine, everything's good. And you have a feeling of they're fighting, they're mad at me, something's wrong, something, someone's upset, there's tension here. That's your intuition speaking to you. Intuition is this knowing of things that are not literal or right in front of you. So it's like there is nobody saying I'm upset that's telling you this, but you're feeling it. There's an emotion that you're feeling. There is something in the way that they're holding themselves that's beyond the obvious. And so I do think pretty much everybody, I won't speak for every single person, has that and has experienced those things in some ways in their life. I think what people often don't realize is that a lot of people who are intuitive notice those sensitivities and and decided, I want to be intuitive. I'm going to keep working on it and I'm going to learn it. Like I had this process where over the last four years, I've consciously tried every week to be more sensitive. Like it was like I had to unlayer things. It was like, um, I, I think in Brian Weiss's book, Many Lives, Many Masters, he asks these um, guides, this is another book about past life regressions that I just read last week. And he asked these kind of guides from the spirit realm, does everybody have this? And he said, they said, yes, but imagine a diamond. Everyone's like a diamond in their, you know, a diamond. And imagine some of the diamond have more mud on them. And the mud has to be kind of wiped off. And some people are born with more mud or some people experience more mud because they had different trauma in their environment or different focuses or different conditioning. And there might be a more of a process of wiping it off. And I feel like there's this process. I remember my aunt, who's a really powerful channel, told me one time, she's like, Sam, I didn't start just like astral traveling. Like, I had these mystical experiences as a child, yes, but like I, it took a long time. I just kept coming to meditation and I kept connecting to my body. And then all of a sudden I kept getting more and then I challenged myself to trust it and then more and more. And now it's opened up, but it was like a skill. And the way I think of it, Emily, and I'm curious if this resonates, so I've been kind of like thinking, this popped into my head last week actually, is it's like everybody can learn to read. Some people learn younger. Some people learn faster. That doesn't necessarily mean they'll be better readers, but they learned really fast. Some have special talents with reading. Some are really drawn to understand. My partner's really drawn to Russian literature and these like complex psychoanalysis. I can read it. I can get there, but it, it's much harder for me. I don't really want to. It doesn't come as easily where I'm more drawn to other texts and it's natural to me. And that's how I think of intuitive abilities. Like you're drawn to spirit babies and to connect with specific souls. And if I really wanted to, I think I could have some, but it's a gift of yours. And there's other ways I am drawn to in my readership. Completely. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree. And that's, that's the cool part about, you know, discovering like what your unique kind of focuses or, or your unique, you know, how this ties into just like what your soul came to do with these abilities too, which is a, you know, what, what did your soul come to, to, to complete or accomplish, or how did your soul come to support different people or different communities on planet earth, whether that's, you know, you're very upfront about it or it's more subtle. And so, yeah, I completely agree. And that's the thing is there's lots of different people who have different focuses. Like there's some people who are, you know, who, who do a lot of like mediumships specifically, you know, connecting with loved ones. There's some people who do like, there's all of these different kind of areas of, of focus um, that, that are animal communication and, you know, uh, an energy clearing of environments and spaces. And, you know, there's just so many different 
ways that our abilities could basically be channeled through or different kind of focuses in our physical world that they could be applied to. So, yeah, I love that. And I like that analogy about the diamond in the mud. And that's, yeah, that's, that's what I was sort of saying earlier, even too, of just like, you know, if you're like, what, what are your particular experiences that you're coming into um, or that where you came from before, you know, where, where your soul has been before and how is that influencing your journey to explore and accept and understand your abilities this time around? So if somebody wanted to, they're saying, okay, I, I now understand I'm seeing some intuition. I, I think I'm receiving messages. Maybe I know I am. Maybe there, I'll use an example of someone in my life. They're, they smell strong smells um, that are not present, like cigarette smoke in their house and no one smokes. And they know, okay, this is a guide. What next? Like, how do you develop your, how do you lean into it? How can you start practicing or exploring it? I think there's there's many different ways to to begin and I do really before I give my tips I guess you could say I really encourage people to you know just to trust their own process of what they think the next natural step would be as well so you know even for the person that you're speaking of with the smells of like you know what I would do if I was in that person's um, situation and I was getting a smell I would be like okay wait a second I'm getting this smell of cigarette smoke who do I relate that to or what do I relate that to okay I relate that to this and then you know, does it feel like it's this person who's trying to communicate with me through the cigarette smoke? Yes. Okay. Why is this person coming around in this particular moment? Was there something that I was talking about that perhaps that person might want to weigh in on or give their perspective on or so on or so forth? Um, you know, so it's my, like, I am really big and this will help a lot of people down the line as they continue to develop too and doing something that I call following the energy, just asking more questions. What is that? Why was I feeling that? Where did that come from? Is there any more information I can get on that? Why is this coming up right now? You know, what What do I need to know about this situation? So following the energy is something that can mean a lot of you know, through 10 different people can hear that and think different things. And that's good. I want you to ponder on the concept of following the energy. What does that mean for you in your particular intuitive experiences that you had? You have had, what would it look like for you to follow the energy the next time that you have an intuitive experience and then go from there? So I'm really a big, you know, champion of encouraging people that they already know what to do in, in some respects. You know, one of my, one of the things I always used to say to a group that I used to teach is called Intuitive Mastery 101. And I would get on there and I, my, my thing is that I would say, I would say, you always know, and you'll, you've always known. And I said that so often that one of my students got me like this t-shirt printed. It says, you always know on it. And this mug that says, you always know. And, you know, I, I really, I really believe that, that we, we really do know more about our intuition than we think. And, you know, we don't necessarily need somebody to say, I have people messaging me all the time, like, Emily, I had this experience and da, 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 and they want to tell me about their experiences and they want me to almost say to them, yeah, that's real. That's true. That's a valid experience, which of course I do that for them anyway, because I think people need to trust in the, in, in, and get confidence in, in what they're getting. But also you don't need me to validate that for you. That is, if you're taking the time to go, I'm going to message Emily and see if this is a, that I know that that was real. I know that there was something there. I know that that was a true experience. And so I'm a really big champion of, of that kind of um, process in discovering where to go next with your intuition. I also feel it's very valuable to 
to not brush them off or to not kind of um, invalidate them. So it's like, oh, it's just a coincidence or it could have been just because, you know, I drive by that same board, you know, that same sign every day. And it's just a coincidence that there's a message on there that that is perfect for me to hear today or, you know, whatever that whatever the case may be. And so I really believe that when you start to really take serious notice of what's happening and not brush it off and not minimize it and not invalidate it or not try and like, you know, oh, maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's not really anything that's important. And you kind of go, that was something. And I don't know exactly what that something is, but I'm going to figure it out or I'm going to wait for the next experience to maybe help me understand it further. So I have people you know, often track these experiences, write them down, get a note on your phone at 1111 on, you know, 1212, 2022, I saw XYZ, you know, uh, like sign right after I was just talking about it with my friend, right? Okay, what, and then what? What does that mean? Why did that come up at that particular time? So I, I find that tracking these experiences and starting to find the connectivity between what's happening, what is your intuition trying to tell you? Is it always happening at a certain time on a certain day, right? And you start to notice these themes and these patterns that really helps somebody to not only start to trust themselves, you know, but also to start to make sense of everything. I had this one student who I had do this and she she got a lot of messages in her dreams. And so I had her keep, you know, like a, a log of, of her dreams and to write every single thing that came through in her dreams down, even if she thought it was insignificant. It's like, oh, it was just like I was meandering through a mall and I was confused and lost. Write it down. I don't care. And so she did for, you know, like a year or two years. And she said she looked back on it after a significant period of time and was shocked at all of the things in the dreams that had come true since she had written them down, right? So it's like she didn't think like, oh, there was anything significant, you know, happening in those dreams, but there were. So I think it's there's a certainly a, a huge trust building element to it, but it's a great way to build build trust with yourself if you start to kind of follow and track these things and follow the energy. I love so much of that. Building trust comes from trying it and just, it doesn't have to be, okay, I got this message to move across the country. Um, I, after I quit my full-time legal job over two years ago, I had, I knew I wanted to do a solo trip outside. And so I asked, where should I go? And I just kind of waited and I kept getting images to Idaho. And so that's where I went. And um, it was so weird because I got there and a fire had broken out right next to my campsite, shut down the whole highway, ended up never sp spending less than a day in Idaho, like pivoting and spending the whole time in Wyoming and Montana. And I don't know why. Now I'm like, there are probably so much lessons for me and like trusting and relaxing and actually being guided to new places in the moment um, that I wouldn't have been able to had I had a plan. But whatever it is, it's like it doesn't have to be this massive thing. It can be smaller, but it's listening and then saying, can I can I at least just practice trusting it? Maybe I I'm not 100% in, but maybe I'm 70% and I'm feeling this call to do this craft and it keeps coming up and I see craft signs and I'm interested in ceramics. And my friend mentioned that she wants to take a ceramic class. And then I saw that there was a ceramic studio opening nearby. Feels like a sign. Why not? Like no one's going to make fun of you. And you now your guides are going to be like, gotcha. Like you uh -huh. thought you were we trusting me. Yes. They were. Yeah. You know, the worst thing is you feel the other thing is Notice how you feel in your body. I had um, intuitive, like a friend intuitive tell me when she's like, you actually are rather clear audience. I, but I'm like, I don't hear messages from 
like spirits. And she's like, you get them in songs. Songs get stuck in your head. You're hearing music. You're very connected to music, which is very true. And since then, I started paying attention to when songs don't pop in my head that randomly. And they often are not songs I've listened to for a long time. And they often have messages. And I was, my partner is applying to doctorate programs right now and will move anywhere around the country. I don't know where he's applying to like 16 schools. We'll find out in a few months and move shortly after. And I really have maintained like, I don't know, I'm totally open. I want the best case for both of us. And then I just got this hit, this like emotional hit of, oh my God, I, I, I know where I want to be. And then this song started playing in my head like it's like we're going home we're going home and I just started crying and so we'll see I'll write it down I'll see you know what lands but this awareness it's like there for me it's often paired with emotion it's like this wasn't here before and that's how I know I can trust it because I'm not just like generating emotions on my own like there's something I'm responding charging it Yes. Yeah. And, and what I will, that's perfect. And what I will add to that, Tim, I think that's a really important point for anybody, because I think that sometimes what I have observed with people who are just sort of starting to figure this out is, you know, sometimes people will start with like making really big decisions, like with, you know, when they're just starting to trust themselves, like, should I leave my husband of, you know, 20 years? And it's like, you know, it, it, I think that there is kind of a, there's more probably flexibility and more less pressure on your intuition if you start with little things. You know, you start with like smaller, more subtle things first because there is a process. And I found this for myself too. And I love what you just described, but I think there is a process for some people too when we're so programmed and so used to letting the logical, rational mind kind of dominate our decision making and our, you know, how we move through the world that, you know, that can still be, can still have kind of dominance or can still kind of be primary in, in, in our decision-making process. And so I think people have to, they go through this process where they're kind of like, okay, I think that I should do this. And then, you know, that, but it's really kind of coming from their programming or from their logical mind. And then they do that and they mistake it for their intuition. And then they're like, it didn't work. What's, you know, I made the wrong, I can't trust myself. And, and so I think that there is a certain kind of and like yeah feeling the emotion that's charged behind things that's very you know you kind of get that feeling of like oh this feels right right so it takes practice it it does it takes practice and and it gets easier it really does that's also you know something that I would have loved to hear (laughs) when I was figuring out my own kind of process so it gets much easier and I think that's really amazing advice because sometimes you're being pulled to something because there can be a lesson in it, not because it's going to work out perfectly. Yeah. And that can be it on its own. But if you're investing a ton or making a really massive decision, it's like maybe I don't want to do it for that. And going where the stakes are smaller and where you can learn your own conditioning and where your mind might trick yourself and helping to kind of like sort through that. The other thing I, I hear a lot, so I'm very new to my channeled readings. And so for anyone listening, I, I by the time this episode comes out, I'll be offering channeled readings officially on my website. I'm so excited. So exciting, about them. Sam. I'm Yay. so excited. And I've done about 20 practice readings. Um, and the thing that I've heard a lot in them is, especially for people who have already been experimenting with their intuition is you've confirmed the things that you're saying are things I keep hearing down to the language, like down to these specific things. And it's like a sign that I can trust myself. And what happened for me is I kept going to mediums and channels and stuff. 
And they would keep telling me the same thing that I already knew. And I would get kind of frustrated because I was like, I know that thing. And, it, and then I'd have to be honest with myself. Well, why am I not doing it? Why am I not acting on it? I don't need to keep going to somebody else to tell me this. I have my own, first off, I have my own line of communication. And secondly, they're going to keep telling me the same thing until it no longer applies. So if it, they keep saying work on your creativity, it's really important. If you haven't done anything on that and you go a month later, they'll probably say the same thing. And that's your clue of you don't need to go to anyone else outside of yourself. You have that, your own connection. Now you're just working on trust. Not that you shouldn't. I love getting readings from other people. It's really helped me. Um, the hands, I do, would not be giving readings if not for my mentorship with Emily because having her there tracking and affirming me was massive. Like I could not, I don't think I could have developed that self-trust without that. Or at least it would have taken me maybe years and it took me a few months instead. But um, it can be a lesson. Yeah, completely. I completely agree. Could you define for folks what medium, like what mediumship is? Do you channel on other things beside? Yeah, like what is that? It's a good question. I think it depends on, you know, it's an interesting thing. I think that it's um, in the spiritual community, you know, I mean, we could say if you look back at the history of sort of spirituality, there was like the spiritualist movement in the 1800s. And then, you know, there's kind of this um, resurgence of uh, a spiritualist movement kind of in the like more modern spiritualist movement in the 80s and the 90s and into the thousands. And, you know, I think that our collective perspective on these terms and definitions seems to be evolving and changing as we discover new types of energies and beings and Information. And, you know, this is what, like, if you had told me when I, when I was just practicing mediumship, strictly just practicing the, the connection in my, you know, it, I shouldn't say this is in my definition, but, you know, in a lot of people's definition in the mediumship community, mediumship is strictly, you know, the art of connecting to a soul who's no longer in a physical body. And, but I, but I think there's some nuances to that as well. Like that could technically go for spirit babies as well, right? They are souls who are not in physical bodies. They just haven't just come out of an incarnation. Technically they're about to come into one. And so I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of these terms and different people have definitions for what they mean. To me, mediumship is, has become, it wasn't always this way, but it has become a bit more of a broader definition for a variety of different things. Mediumship to me could be talking to a spirit guide. Mediumship to me could be talking to a spirit baby. It could be talking to uh, a loved one, you know, who's no longer in a physical body. So I think it just depends on who you ask. And I also think it's important to not get, you know, we, we love to kind of, um, have definitions for things that we're experiencing because it gives us context to our own personal experiences or other people's experiences. And I also think that we can get slightly hung up on what everything means, or it's like, this is mediumship and this goes over here. And like, this is that, and this goes over here and they never intersect, which is just not true. You know, a lot of these things, when you open up, there's, there's, there's a lot of intersection between a lot of these different terms and definitions. And so it's certainly evolved for me. You know, if you had told me like, you know, five years ago that I would be like talking to aliens, I'd be like, what are you talking about? You, that's, you just talk to loved ones, you know, that's it. And so I think that I've ha had to leave a lot of room for just, you know, the evolution of my personal experience of who and what I'm channeling and, you know, talking to ultimately. Kind of historically mediumship often meant people who you knew in real life, like your mother or your grandfather passing. But the, but the definition has mutated or it's evolved. And so some mediums, that is strictly what they do. Many um, may connect with 
a loved one and can also connect with other beings. And then some, and I, I tend to think of the word channeling as being a little bit broader. I think channeling can include mediumship, but it's kind of, it's the connection of consciousness. So a, it could be a soul, but it could also be like um, beings who never were on earth and never maybe planned to be and being able to connect with them. So you could channel angels, for instance, you could channel Akashic masters, you could channel a cat who what is on this planet. It's, it's broader. And my suggestion for anybody, I was recently connecting with somebody who lost a parent and um, kind of knew someone who had a mediumship, is a little bit curious. My suggestion, if you have someone specifically you want to connect with and you're drawn to some channel, ask them. You can ask. Is, is that something you do? I wouldn't suggest that somebody comes to me with the purpose of connecting to a specific loved one. I don't find my gifts usually work like that. It can happen. I've had loved ones come through for sure, but not as with much specificity. I find myself usually channeling collective guides and probably more like alien beings. That's what I suspect. Um, and more kind of like high arching guidance. I find the guidance is typically abstract and it feels very high vibrational. And I feel like it's partly my job to kind of be like, as Sam, be like, okay, so here's one take of how I might assess that and one thing you can act on it. Like I kind of feel like I'm a bridge where some channels are going to be much more, um, feel much more grounded and digestible. And usually you're drawn to the person. Like if you're actually drawn to them, it's for a reason. Completely. Totally. I completely agree. And that's the thing, you know, I've had people come to me in the past, like, <laughs> how do I know you know, getting a reading with you is the right thing. And it's like, well, why, you know, why are you here? Why, why, you know, I think that there is a certain we're drawn to the particular type of, you know, channel that is going to bring forward the information or the connection in the way that is going to be most beneficial for us. And that can also change too. Like it might kind of be like, you know, I was never like, I've had this experience, certainly like, you know, there's been people, um, different colleagues or, you know, fellow people in the spiritual community where it's like, I'm, I'm not really feeling called to their work and it's nothing personal. You know, it's not a personal thing about them and I don't like them. It's just, I don't have a resonance with their work at this moment in time. And then, you know, a year later, it's like, oh, I feel a great amount of resonance with this person's work, you know, or this person's, you know, particular, you know, kind of way of reading or seeing the world or speaking about certain topics. And so I think that there's an evolution of your own kind of draw to whoever it is that you're being drawn to. But I completely agree. I think that there's there's the resonance piece and you're being drawn to where you're drawn to for a reason. One question I got, you know, I asked our, my audience, what questions do you have for Emily? And one question is, do substance, how do substances work with channeling? Is this something, and I would like to extend this beyond substances to specific diets. Do you have to eat a certain way to be able to channel? Like, are there rules and prescriptions? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, you know, my perspective on this has certainly evolved as well. Um, you know, when I was taught or when I was first in my kind of first mentorships and working with some of my first teachers, it was, there was certainly the messaging that, you know, stay away from substances and, you know, try and eat a clean fruits and vegetables, you know, kind of only diet in order to be the clearest, you know, you can be or, you know, fat, like I used to, this is ridiculous now that I'm about to say it, but, you know, I used to think that I would on days that I did readings, I needed to fast the entire day and then, you know, only eat after my day of readings was done or, you know, on days where I did group mediumship readings, I don't really do those anymore, but when I used to do them, I would fast the entire day. 
which of course it would just be like, I would finish and just be so hungry and just eat everything and then be so sick afterwards from, you know, fasting all day. And anyway, in my opinion now and how I see things is that what we, so if we are giving power to a certain belief that if I eat red meat, it is going to dull and affect my channel that you are going to have more of that experience. If you're like, oh, I feel cloudy after eating red meat. My channel's not working as well after I'm eating red meat. That's the experience you're going to have. I really believe that with that, rules and prescriptions don't really exist. They only exist as much as we give them power um, or as much as other people give them power. So I had a teacher that said, Emily, you can't drink alcohol or smoke weed or eat red meat or you will not be as good of a channel. And I was like, yes, ma'am, I will not do that anymore. And I kind of got militant about it where it was like obsessive in a way where it's kind of like, I can only eat this on a day of a reading or I can't eat this or if I do this and it won't be as good. And it creates this kind of strange, obsessive kind of rigidity around, you know, our abilities, our intuition or this sort of thing, which is just, you know, it's just another form of oppression in one way or another, right? Which is not the way that we are, you know, need to be moving through the world with these abilities. So, you know, I, my perspective on this has certainly evolved as I've kind of formed my own perspectives outside of my teacher's perspectives, which is something that a lot of people might have to do too, or, you know, and that's why I try and say as much as possible, like take what resonates with you and leave the rest. If I say something in a mentorship where you're like, eh, I'm not, I'm good on that. I don't need to, I don't need to, I don't, I don't, that doesn't feel true to me, then no problem, no hard feelings. You know, I, I really try to keep it as open for people to have, you know, their own experience without any dogma. We didn't come into the spiritual, you know, space and, you know, expanded consciousness to just pile a bunch more dogma on top of it. For most people, that's what they're trying to get out of. They're like, no more dogma, yes. get me out of the dogma, right? So I think that there's certainly an element of taking care of yourself and, you know, um, drinking beautiful water and eating the food that your body feels drawn to. And that can all support you in being a, you know, um, a vibrant, you know, expression of you. But it's certainly not necessary in order for you to be clear or channel or listen to your intuition or what have you. So, yeah, I don't subscribe to any of it anymore. Um, and I'm glad that I don't. It's nice. It's much more free. And I'm so glad too, because it was really freeing for me in our, as a part of our mentorship, Emily offers like a reading at the beginning. And this was before I, I knew that I could do any sort of psychic channeling. I thought I was just fully able to do energy healing. Yeah. And I was telling her, Emily, I am so, I recently am no longer lactose intolerant for the first time in 10 years. I live two blocks from the flagship Ben and Jerry store. I live in Vermont with the some of the best cheese in the world and all. And I, I live in Vermont, which also means there's tons of beautiful local, really intentionally grown produce and breads and meats. And I'm like, all I want to eat is toast with really delicious cheese on it or toast with mayonnaise and tomatoes. And is that allowed? <laughs> like, is that okay? <laughs> because I feel like I should not be eating dairy and not be eating bread. And I like smoking weed. I smoke all the time. And I like to drink alcohol, not actually as much. And you said to me, she's like, actually, your body's receiving a lot. Like right now you're being drawn to these foods. And, and, and at the time I was eating these sausage, egg, and cheese sandwiches that I was making like all the time, like three to four days a week, which is not something I would have allowed myself to eat a few years prior, not because of like a diet thing, but because of like a clean thing yeah. and with like a ton of like homemade mayonnaise on it. And 
The thing is, is when I would eat those, I would feel amazing afterward. I would not crash. I would feel energized. I'd feel sustained. It was so delicious. It was such a fun thing that me and my partner were doing together. And as long as it feels good, it's okay. This can change. Your body will tell you. And it was really wonderful and freeing for me to hear of like, I'm not going to ruin my abilities by eating pork or by eating awesome cheese that I'm so feel so authentically drawn to it. It kind of like those beliefs too, I have, um, they kind of, uh, contradict some of my core beliefs about our bodies knowledge of what feels good for them. Of course you can get, I've been into places where I'm eating just so much junk food that my body starts to crave it, even though I know it doesn't want it. And it's kind of like the mind doing a trick, but when I'm out of that, and I can usually at this point feel that when I'm like, no, I can have a salad and when I want one, I will eat one. But right now I don't trusting what my body wants and trusting that my body will tell me what it needs. And there might be times where it doesn't want alcohol. And so I'll note when I was first doing my practice energy healing sessions, um, September of 2021, I had this intuitive hit, no alcohol the entire time, three weeks, don't have a sip. And I did it. And I think it was more a trust thing than it was like a necessary thing, but it was helpful. Um, the one of the things I wanted to mention earlier for anybody wanting to connect with their intuition, one thing that was really powerful for me and I never heard anywhere talked about is the way that I think my intuition opened was deeply connecting with my body and feeling my emotions. I don't think it was anything about trying to channel. I think it was learning how to feel and connect with my emotions in my body and start clearing stored unprocessed emotions that was directly related because our bodies are incredibly incredible instruments that are pulling in so much information beyond what our minds can comprehend. Yeah. And I love that. And I think that that's actually really important, Sam. And I think that for me, like that wasn't my experience, you know, and I wish it had been <laughs> because what happened is that I just, I kind of had to deal with it along, along the way, like along through the process, which other people might relate to too. But I think it's like, it's so true when you clear, literally clearing space in, in your body, you know, by, and, and just kind of becoming aware, acutely aware of like, Oh, okay. This is like a sadness wave. And this is my own sadness wave. A hundred percent. I know that I don't really know, need to know where it came from or why, or is there, there's nothing wrong with it. I can just sort of let the sadness wave come in. And that that also allows you to be more acutely aware of like when you're riding someone else's sadness wave too, you know, in the future as well. So no, but I love what you said. And I think that that's the thing I really, you know, what I subscribe to now is just, you know, I, I heard this term, somebody used this term like qualitarian, which I'm like, yeah, I'm into that, you know, just quality, whatever it is, quality, anything, you know, that quality, anything. And and that could be just like some, the quality that my body's craving, right? Like a quality carbohydrate, a quality protein, a quality, whatever. So that's really what I, and I used to be, you know, hardcore vegan and you know, vegetarian for a very long time, vegetarian first and then vegan, then raw vegan for a little bit. And so, you know, I've, I've done a lot of, of different uh, and followed, you know, medical medium protocol and all these sorts of things. So, you know, I've done a lot and what's working for me right now is just qualitarian and I don't have a ton of dogma around it. And it's very beautiful for someone with like a history of also like disordered eating and this sort of thing. It's like, it's really, it's a beautiful place to be. And I, I, you know, hope that everyone can get to that point where, you know, they're ditching the the dogma, whether it's food, substances, whatever it is. 
And find, I love that. And finding what works for you. Yeah. Because qualitarian works for me because that's how I feel my best. And I've really noticed um, I do best when the food hasn't gone very far. It hasn't touched very many hands. I definitely notice a difference when I buy broccoli from like the co-op grocery store where it is sourced locally than broccoli from like a big chain grocery store, even though I think nutritionally they're probably very similar. Something about the energy of it feels different, um, which is kind of annoying for me because it's much more expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I like support those, those missions and those beliefs, but like, you know. I think I've, def- I've been able to kind of define and explain this more lately. It's funny, you know, <laughs> It's like in the first few years of my practice and I would start to, you know, get on readings or do whatever I was doing, whether I was teaching or doing readings. And, um, you know, it didn't, it, it occurred to me that I was kind of channeling or I was tapping in when I was doing readings, but it didn't occur to me that I was also doing the same when I was teaching, which is kind of funny. Um, it's the same. It's really the same frequency, just in a different setting. But, you know, when I was first starting, I remember it would kind of feel like, you know, I would sort of start talking to the person and say hello and, you know, what are they hoping to get into today? And it would sort of be, you know, um, just, you know, regular conversation, sort of human to human. And then it was almost like when I either when I started to tune in or right before, it was like something took over. And I, Emily, kind of, you know, my regular thoughts and brain processing, you know, uh, ways kind of went to the side and it was like something took over and this switch turned on and all of a sudden I would just know where we needed to start or what we needed to talk about. And, you know, then I would bring that up to the person and they're like, that's what exactly what I wanted to do or where I wanted to start or what's been the biggest issue for me lately. And then I would just be able to kind of like hyper-focus on that topic and, you know, bring all this information through on whatever that particular topic was and just sort of, um, you know, I always joke, in my, in my readings when I'm still doing them today of like, you know, once I start, it's very hard to get me to stop. So please interrupt me if you need to, if you have a question, because once I'm in an energy flow with an energy being or a guide, or I'm on a topic or I'm into a topic, it's just like the floodgates are open and it's like this endless kind of waterfall moving through me. That's kind of how I would describe it is it's like a waterfall kind of coming through the top of my head and bringing the words into my mouth and bringing the imagery into my mind's eye and bringing the thoughts into my mind. And then I'm just translating them and sharing all the the pieces with, with the person. And that's really like, that's really how I describe it. And then eventually it starts when I feel like, okay, I think we're complete on this topic, then it'll shift to another topic and we'll kind of switch gears and we'll go over here or it'll start to taper off as we start to end the, you know, come to the natural end of the reading or this sort of thing. So it's, it's really something that I never used to understand, but, you know, actually getting this language was actually really helpful for me. I was talking to a friend of mine who um, is an astrologer and she was looking at my astrology chart and she was like, did you know that you have your, I didn't really understand this much at this time. It makes much more sense to me now. But she's like, did you know that you have your Mercury is directly on the degrees of the galactic center? And so basically she was saying that, you know, the galactic center is kind of like this universal middle point. It's like this universal midline. And basically, you know, having the Mercury or the communication planet aligned with this galactic center that she's like, you can basically just kind of very easily access, you know, universal wisdom and different kind of universal concepts and translate them and understand them and kind of articulate them very easily. And I was like, that's cool. Um, And so, you know, that's sort of, that actually really helped me understand my particular sort of, um, 
brand, I guess you you could say of of channeling or what it what it is like or what it feels like for me. That is so cool. Yeah. Do you feel when other when you're um whoever you're channeling for your clients are having an emotional reaction, do you feel emotions? Um, I have trained myself because here's the thing. I find that for me personally, when I would feel emotion, it would kick me out of the stream of consciousness that I was in. So I used to really like, like, oh, wow, I'm really feeling this grief or this sadness or things like that. And it would kind of distract me from the stream of consciousness I would, I was in. So I actually personally, and I know lots of people who are able to ride that wave of emotion with the person and, you know, have the emotional reaction with them and come right back where they were. It was harder for me to stay on track and it was sort of distracting for me. So I do, I'll feel like, I'll feel the, I'll feel like, let's say 10% of it. I'll feel 10% of it. So I have the imprint of the emotional kind of feeling that the person is feeling or the emotional energy that's being kind of generated, but not the full percent because it's distracting for me personally. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't feel almost anything. Yeah. Usually the way, way I know that people are emotion feeling is because my eyes are closed as I hear them crying, mm-hmm. which is really common. Yep. More readings than not. Yep. Um, but I don't feel it. Yeah. And which is really wild because it's like this something about this thing that I'm transmitting is hitting you, but it's just going through me. Going through you. Yeah. You know, I train myself to the part where it was, it's going through me, you know, the energy is kind of coming through me and I'm still, I'm very, I've always been like this where, you know, when I'm in a room full of like family members, let's say I am acutely aware of where everybody's at. And I'm like, can, cause that, can everybody not see that he's upset at him? And like they're fighting secretly, but they don't, nobody else knows it. You know, I've just been always acutely aware of like all the different moving parts in energy dynamics, in individuals and groups of people. It's just been very, so I can kind of, you know, observe the 10% of the emotional kind of feeling without, you know, having to have the full experience of it basically. Yes. Yes. Which there's, we won't go into, but it's so reflected in your human design, your like ability to sense intimacy and to sense friction in relationships yes and like you would know how to navigate it but also knowing when it's not wise to like the wisdom in that which is pretty interesting so cool yeah Yeah. um so how do you support yourself to be to either stay able to do this or to kind of deepen your gifts like right now and it probably has shifted but right now well, I think the the one thing is that I certainly need a lot of alone time. It's very, very important to me to have just a day at least, you know, um, to be just completely alone and have no other energies around me, um, which is sometimes very hard to navigate. You know, <laughs> it's not always easy to to have to make that happen for yourself. And I, I, I try my best, you know, whether that's just like a walk for an hour and a half out in nature by myself or, you know closing the bedroom door and just sort of, you know, going in and, and, and being in my own energy for a while. It's certainly very important for me to have a good chunk of alone time and reflective time per week, because, you know, even though I've trained myself and regulated my sensitivity a lot, I'm still very sensitive. And so it's something that I still have to be very mindful of and, you know, sponging up just, you know, unconsciously sort of sponging up different energies and energy environments and social settings and, and this sort of thing. So I'm very much, um, 
an introvert, not always because I want to be an introvert. <laughs> you know, that's the funny thing too. It's like, sometimes I'm like, I want to go out and do this thing or be with this group of people. And, and, and I think because it, it's not always energizing as much as I want it to be energizing, it's not always as energizing as I would want it to be because of some of the different sort of layers of sensitivity and just, you know, energy dynamics going on in the room. And, you know, I, I have a tendency to kind of, you know, meld into people when I'm in a social setting, like meld into people people's kind of, you know, like a take on their whatever it is that they're talking about. And just people are like, how are you? I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Let's talk more about you. Um, you know, so I tend to kind of like lose myself in constantly merging with people's things or things that they're talking about or things that are going on in their life. So it's very important. We have alone time and, you know, be conscious, consciously be in social settings and, you know, spend only short periods of time in social settings. This one spiritual teacher that I like, he's like maximum two hours. That's all I'm spending with my friends because anytime beyond that, it just gets messy for me. <laughs> so I was like, I wow. like that. I don't know how it's all, it's all not always feasible, but I, I like the concept. I like the principle. But yeah, so, you know, th those are, I would say those are the big things of, you know, what I have to do. I also really try and make sure to give to myself just as much as I'm giving to others. So I'll schedule little things for myself as often as I can, different kinds of energy healing and different kinds of readings for myself and massage and chiropractic and osteopaths and float tanks and, um, you know, different kinds of frequency therapy and things like this. So I'm, you know, trying to sort of give back to myself and my energy as much as I as much as I offer and as much as I give to, um, you know, my clients and, and the world and these sorts of things. So those are the, the main things. And, uh, you know, just being a much, a lot better with my time and my calendar, my schedule, you know, I, when I first started my practice, it was just like free for all 24, you know, not 24 hours a day, but a lot of hours a day, a lot of days a week and just constantly on constantly receiving and perceiving and interpreting. And, you know, I've had to become a lot more, um, mindful just of how I'm organizing my time and my schedule in order to be able to show up for the people that I'm showing up for in, in the best way that I can. So yeah, there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot that goes into it. It's behind the scenes. There's a lot of, yeah. um, but you know, I, 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 I want to make sure that I'm communicating that in, um, there's parts of it. Sure. That are not always beautiful and easy, but I also want to make sure that I'm communicating in a very empowering way that I'm happy to, to have the sensitivity that I have. And I'm happy to, uh, you know, be able to have the opportunity to have, you know, an extended period of alone time every week at this point in my life. It may not always be that way. And then I'll have to adjust <laughs> when I have children. I'm sure I'll have to adjust, but that's kind of where it's at right now. Yeah. I love, I heard in there a lot, like intentionality boundaries and like boundaries with other people, which kind of brings me to this last question on this point is, um, of this kind of like, what is it like to be a medium? Like, what does it feel like is this path of trade-off and this path of service? I would hear in the healing arts, like this is service. And I, I didn't fully understand that because when I thought of service, I thought more like nonprofit type work. And what I now fully see is there's, when you are living a guided path and it's very intuitively drawn, you are called into things. There's always choice. There's always free will, always. And there's you, there's still your vision and you co-create, but you are also guided into things that are not about you and guided into things that have trade-offs that you didn't realize. I was, I'm a very outgoing and social person. I'm a classic extrovert. I get so much energy from being around other people. And I've been surprised about how 
there are certain environments that I used to love that are no longer feel that good to me. And I don't know if I would have chosen this had I fully known that. Like I did, like I wanted it so badly that I think I probably would have chosen it. But this realization of like to support my desire to do this and my ability to do this, there's a lot of shifts in my life I need to make. And there's, I'm by actively choosing to be so sensitive, that means a lot of accommodations for that sensitivity. And it's a whole, it's a lifestyle. Like yeah, it's not it just a job that you show up <laughs> to. It's a lifestyle. And there are tremendous benefits and purpose to that. And it feels so fulfilling, but I didn't fully realize that. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on that. I love this. It's funny. And you know, my husband and I joke about this all the time and he's kind of on his own path of like, he's having his own experience of that too, where he's like, I used to be able to do this and I can't do it anymore. And I'm like, honey, I know I get it. I'm with you. And you know, I, it's sort of funny, like him and I talk about that all the time where we're we'll like reflect on an experience or something that we used to do. And we'll be like, how did we do that? Like, how did we do that? Truly? It's kind of almost, it's, it's strange, you know, just the adjustments that we've had to to make uh, or chosen to make in, in our lives in order to just make sure that, you know, you know, we were, we were just loving ourselves or giving to ourselves or just, you know, respecting our sensitivities or, or whatever the case may be. But it's, you know, it's certainly, I do sometimes look back and I'm like, man, I miss being able to do X, Y, Z and it just be so easy. You know, it's just like so easy to do this or go here or, you know, do this thing. And, you know, I think that it, there is a certain layer when you become more sensitive or more aware of this sort of thing, it is really a lifestyle. And it does really become one of those things where it's like, you are, even when you're not, you know, on the, on, on, with a client or working with a reading or, or, you know, or doing a mentorship or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, you're making still a lot of decisions on the back end and in the, in your free time that are going to then, um, you know, support what is the work, you know, that you're trying to do. And again, I want to make sure that this is not coming across as dogmatic because I do it because I want to, and because I'm committed to, you know, to my path and I'm committed to what my soul decided that it wanted to do before it came onto planet earth. And I'm totally on board with all of that. And then also as a human, Emily kind of goes sometimes like, man, you know, it'd be nice. Like sometimes I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to be like a dog groomer or, you know, or like something like that, or just like work as a cashier or a barista somewhere, you know, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, that would be so nice. <laughs> you know, it would be so, so nice. And, and there would just be such a different element to it. But I think that, you're right that, you know, when we really click into the path of, you know, service or what our soul came to do on this planet, there are a lot of things, a lot of adjustments and accommodations that, that are necessary to be made. We don't have to make them, but it gets uncomfortable if we don't make them. Um, that's, that's the thing is, and again, I'm trying to stay away from, you know, dogma here, but it's certainly, it's certainly an adjustment and I could see how it would be hard. It is still hard for me at certain points, but I could see how, it would be hard for somebody who is just kind of starting to notice those things or starting to notice like, oh, I can't do that anymore. That's not enjoyable for me to do anymore. This group of friends, I can't, oh, it's, oh my God, that's really hard. I don't, I, I, I there've been my oldest friends and how am I going to relate to them now? Or, um, you know, how am I going to, you know, co constantly it's like, there's a new sensitivity or a new thing that I'm noticing in my physical body every day. And how am I going to work with that? And so I could see how it could be difficult for somebody who's just beginning to notice these things. Absolutely. It can be really at times disappointing and hard to square because it's like, okay, is this 
thing can I adjust and adapt? So maybe I don't want to go to a festival and like binge drink or like stay up to 4 a.m. But like I can still go to the festival and have a good time. Yeah. Or is it now that this activity, there's no way to fit with it anymore? Yeah. And I didn't know that this would, like, I wasn't expecting this. Um, or these people I, I was so excited to see. And, and now they're, it just isn't what I thought it, it was. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's this other side of it, kind of the dogmatic part. So I'm doing a ton of travel in the next two and a half months. I have three international trips and three cross-country trips. And not all of these are, I didn't, like, select the timing for all of these things. But I'm and very excited and very grateful for them. And I've had this fear. I was just journaling on this this morning, this panic of like, is this going to ruin my ability to really find momentum in my business, to, to, to channel, to do all these things that I want to do? And I asked myself this question of what, what if this was, what if this, these trips and like this really busy schedule was the best thing that ever happened? Like, what could that look like? And one of the things that came to me was like, what if it inspires me? What if having so much fun? Because a lot of these trips are like amazing. My bachelorette party, um, my trip to see my favorite band in Mexico, one of my best friends' bachelorette parties. Like these are these are awesome, awesome experiences and trips. And what if they, what if it wasn't overwhelming? What if I didn't leave feeling ungrounded? What if it was deeply inspiring that spending time with people I love felt really creative? What if I could show myself a new way of expressing my full self and a new way of honoring my body? And what if I needed to make some accommodations, like not fly a red eye because it's cheaper, but fly a flight that's more expensive, even though I don't want to, because it honors my energy. And that's really the only shift I need to make. Yes. And I love that. And I think that that reframe is so like those reframes are so important. And that's the thing too, is like, sometimes I think it's, you know, you can have those moments where it's like, yeah, this is, this is difficult or this is different. But then it's like, I think, you know, exactly those reframes and the coming back to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, substances is if it's like, if you give it power and you give it energy, it's like, this is hard. This is going to be hard. Or like living life as a sensitive person is difficult. It's hard. And, you know, we give that like, it, I'm being almost being victimized by it, you know, then we're giving that energy and get, and, and guess what? That doesn't give me energy. That makes me feel depleted. That makes me feel like, Oh, I'm tired and I'm sensitive and I can't go out. And you know, it, that it, it, it's depletion. And so I think that the way that, you know, I'd love those reframes where it's like, what if, no, what if this could give you more energy? What if it could be like this with these subtle kind of shifts and accommodations, as you said, yeah, we're here to ultimately, you know, no matter what kind of path we're on service path, spiritual path, whatever, we're also here to enjoy the beauty beauties that planet earth has to offer i mean this is an amazing place to be for so many reasons it's so beautiful there's so much natural beauty for us to come here and enjoy and you know the there's so much uniqueness about the the, the planet that we're not able to get anywhere else and so i think that it's here for us to enjoy and to soak it in as well which sounds a little cliche but it is true absolutely i mean i'm not i know that this all this stuff is just supposed to add to my life as enriching as it can be it's only one channel of my life and i never want to feel like i have to choose between this very purposeful work and having fun with all my best friends like no they should feed together if they can't feed together long term then it's a problem because i don't want my work to feel that restrictive but is there a way to be more flexible or creative or or to shift maybe i won't drink nearly as much um but maybe that actually will allow me to have more fun because i'll actually feel more vibrant yes 
So I would like to wrap up here, but before I fully end, I want to just take a few minutes, even though it's a hard turn and talk about spirit babies, because that is the work that you're doing. You have a spirit baby event coming up in January, which I'm attending. I think it's January 31st. Yes. Yep. Virtually. That's right. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Um, but I want to just before like talking about your work in it, like what is special about spirit babies right now? Like, why is this a thing that mm. there needs to be attention to? Yeah, I think that for a couple of different reasons. I think that number one, for a variety of different factors um, at this time on the planet, our individual um, physical fertility is being greatly affected for a variety of different reasons. And it is, you know, um, fertility challenges are becoming more and more and more prominent. And, you know, um, disconnection with the the body is, is more prominent. And so I think that that's a big reason why this, this work has, has kind of called me is just to support people kind of from who are having really difficult physical challenges with, with fertility and fertility challenges. Um, so that, you know, they can, you know, it is, a, it is an initiation and awakening in and of itself trying to conceive and, you know, I work with people who, you know, have been trying to conceive for five, 10, 15 years. I mean, huge periods of time or have had, you know, 10 miscarriages in a, a row or have ton, done nine IVF transfers and every single transfer has failed. And, you know, so I've done lots of work with, with people in a lot of those different spaces. And I think that, that, um, that's, that's a hugely important part of the work, you know, of, of connecting them to their bodies in a certain way and, you know, them kind of going through an awakening through their fertility challenge process, which a lot of people do. So that's a big part of it. It's also really, I mean, mostly probably the biggest reason is that we are at a really crucial, depending on, you know, how, how you look at it, we're at a very crucial time of, of change um, on planet earth and in the, the sort of the energies and the frequencies in planet earth and these souls who are coming in are <laughs> doing a lot of work in order to help us do that and are really activating their parents and activating, um, you know, the, the citizens of planet earth, whether those are their parents or their aunts or their uncles or grandparents or whoever they are, these souls are wanting more of a conscious connection to either their parents or, you know, their future siblings or future aunts, uncles, grandparents, again, like I said, you know, husbands, mothers, um, who, you know, whoever that, whatever that, that looks like in order to really make sure that they're going to be able to come down here and do what they need to do and get done what they need to get done. So there's still a lot of things about it that, you know, that still a lot of mysteries that are being revealed to me about the importance of this work. All I know is that at the end of 2019, I got the the message on New Year's Eve as the clock was about to turn from 2019 into 2020 of, uh, I had already been aware of the spirit baby work and already been doing it for a little bit, but they said at the beginning of 2020, they said, this work is about to become more important than it ever has been. And we need you to be ready. <laughs> and so then my kind of my very extreme focus into spirit babies began was at the start of 2020. There's a lot of different reasons why it's prominent and prevalent. And, um, but I think that the fact that these energies are coming in to serve a very specific purpose and, and um, serve a purpose in the 
the kind of the, the frequency changes that are happening and even just the structure changes of how planet Earth is operating and what is, um, you know, what systems are falling and growing and what's changing and how are we as a collective, you know, thinking differently and operating differently and interacting differently with each other and interacting differently with the Earth and the Earth's natural resources and all these different things. So um, it's certainly a very exciting time to be alive. And I really believe that everybody who's here and alive and breathing right now on the planet, um, you know, really signed up to be here at this very specific time and, and signed up to be a part of the shift that is happening, whether we know exactly what is happening or whether we don't, that doesn't matter. And I believe that the souls who are coming in also are here to be a part of the shift. You know, there's, there's, um, uh, you know, one of the things that I've seen often is that there is like a huge waiting list to get onto planet earth right now. It's a very coveted incarnation. It's a very, very coveted place to be. A lot of energies want to be here to be a part of what is happening right now. And again, what is happening right now can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, but that's, you know, I think that's very telling about uh, why it was such an important time on planet Earth. I've heard that too. My aunt, has, she's like, I've seen these little visuals of just like infinite lines of souls waiting to get to come and to be yes. here, which is so cool. It is. Like, like let's go like go time yeah um i have some people in my life um a few different people who have really struggled with fertility and i've seen up close in a way that i never appreciated before the difficulty of that experience of ivf of how the toll it can take on your body the physical the emotional needs for anybody who's like i wouldn't necessarily consider myself super spiritual witchy but i'm curious and i'm struggling with I'm struggling with fertility and I'm getting to a place where I'm maybe opening myself in ways I, I didn't before. Like, what do you, how do you, what do you say to those people? Cause this is such a sensitive issue. It is. Um, well, I would first say come to my event because they're really fun. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of clarity that can be had there, no matter where you're at in your journey, if you don't consider yourself, you know, particularly spiritual. I would also say, you know, one of the things that I invite people to reflect on is, you know, think about, the person that you are, you know, reflect on different parts of your individuality and your personality and your drive and your ambition and your perspective and your thoughts and your emotions and all of this kind of unique tapestry of who you are. You know, when we think about that, why wouldn't it be possible for us to connect to the unique tapestry of who you are just before you came into the body, you know, of, of you, of Sam or Emily as a baby? I mean, it's it's completely possible. It's more than possible when we pass through the birth canal or, you know, we're, we're pulled up through the abdomen. However, we were birthed into the world. You know, we pass through this kind of veil of amnesia where we forget everything that came before technically. Um, and so... Really, it's just, you know, understanding that you are a soul, you have a soul history. And, you know, just as we can connect to the soul of a loved one who has just passed away, a lot of people are really warming up to that idea. Even though they're free of a physical body, we can still talk to them and talk about their traits or their personality while they were alive or things that they loved or their hobbies. And people, a lot of people are really warming up to that idea where they weren't before. And, you know, I'm really trying to, to have people open up to the concept that we can connect to a soul pre-incarnation just as easily as we can connect to a soul 
post-incarnation. It's just as easy. It's really more of the same thing, just with a slightly different kind of timeline and context. So, you know, I, I really encourage people to meditate or think about their individuality and, and the unique kind of being that they are. And to also kind of meditate on their inner child, watch videos of yourself where you were when you were a child, look at baby pictures, childhood pictures, because that kind of helps you connect with that spark, the spark of you that was there when you were a child. And, and um, you know, we've just kind of forgotten it as we've gone along. I will put this in the show notes ways that you can like Emily's website and a link to her um, super conscious event yeah. related like spirit baby event. Yeah. I'm not conceiving right now, yeah. um, but I, but I want to, and I want to be a, a parent and the, I, I feel like I'm in my preconception years. So yep. for anybody who's just curious, wants to be to those who are conceiving to those who have infertility issues, if you're feeling a resonance here, check out this event. I um, have had friends who've attended Emily's events that, and they have said amazing things. And I know from working with Emily that everything that she puts out is awesome <laughs> and very grounded. Um, sometimes I think with infertility, it can feel there's just can be so much in there and it can, it feels there's this groundedness that makes you make this spirituality and intuition feel more approachable and accessible. What I would say too, is, you know, I, I love that you're not interested in conceiving right now, which I tell a lot of people, people are like, I'm still like a good five to eight years, you know, five to seven years out. And it's like, can I still come or can I still engage in this work? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Because you know, I really think also, too, if we think about it as as um, women or feminine identifying beings, unfortunately, we have our, our fertility windows are are there is a there is a slight limitation there. And again, I mean, I have a client who just um, conceived her first child at age 41. So listen, it's possible. I have I have no clients who have conceived it um, or have given birth at age 43 and this sort of thing. But we, we do have these kind of biological windows that we have to be mindful of. And my suggestion to people is if you start that process kind of ahead of time, like let's say, you know, three to five years before you're actually even interested in starting to conceive, that when you're ready to conceive, you feel so strongly connected to the souls of your children that there is that kind of confidence that goes with you on your fertility journey or you have time to you know I have lots of souls of children who are like tell my mom that she needs to get her like estrogen levels checked or you know this kind of thing and then that will send the person on a path of like hormone healing before they conceive right so there's a lot of things that I think that um this work is really beautiful for in some unconventional ways where you wouldn't really even think about it, but it's beautiful to start having and building that relationship ahead of time so that when you are ready to conceive, you know, you feel strongly connected to the soul. You feel connected to, you know, your intuition of when it is the right timing. You know, my sister-in-law, she's close to me. And so she's very much, you know, a very loyal and loving supporter of me and my work. And so she, you know, I gave her lots of spirit baby resources long before her and, and my brother-in-law were trying to conceive. And she did a lot. She was very committed to it. She was very committed to connecting with the soul of her first child. And when it was, you know, she got this feeling like we're going to try and start to conceive in, in February and they were able to conceive on the first try. And I'm not saying that that is true for everybody. You know, everybody's path or their timeline is different. But um, I really believe that it in part was because of the kind of intentionality and the preparation that she brought into her preconception and conception process that allowed for that experience or just supported that experience, let's say. 
It's so cool. I remember you had one time talked about in your Instagram story, like you can ask your spirit babies for help yeah. to create the life. And that had literally never occurred to me. And I'm repeating this here to anyone who hasn't thought of this idea. Like I realized like I, so much of where my business goals are driven by, I want to be able to have a certain life and a financial stability before I feel comfortable having a baby and, um, and different things like, Hey, like help me. And I've asked like, help your dad, um, help your dad with his doctorate because wherever he goes is where you're going to be born. And we, I love your support and I'd love your help. And like, let's co-create this together because I want this to be a beautiful environment. And right now it's in my mind, I'm like, but they're just a baby, but like, no, they're a fast soul. They're a soul. Very intelligent. Very intelligent. And they are just like any soul that's up here. They have a lot of um, abilities to support you. Completely. And they're coming into your, you're there, you know, they're looking to come into your ecosystem. They're looking to come into your familial environment. And so they have skin in the game. <laughs> they're like, yeah, I want to make sure my dad gets the right location for his doctorate because that is where I'm about to be, you know, grown and like I'm about to be raised and, you know, the, the school I'm going to go to and all this kind of stuff. So they want to help. They want to help support you in your life and in your path and in your journey. So task them. And then that's the funny thing, too. It's like, of course, we think about them as babies because they're about to be babies, but they're not babies yet. They're technically still very intelligent, very, very wise souls. You know, often a lot of them are very ancient um, energies and or energies who have never taken a physical incarnation before. And, you know, this is our first physical incarnation. And so, you know, they're very powerful. It's 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 amazing. It's so wild. My, I have a two-year-old niece and this little girl is such a powerhouse. Like not only is she brilliant, like she knows all, she learns her colors. She learns her counting. She can read. And she's like, she's two. Yeah. And she's so vibrant and she just like calls attention. I'm like, you're, you're probably going to be the next Taylor Swift. Right. But, but actually I think there's just a lot of those really vibrant souls coming in. She was born on December 11th, 2020. 2020. She was yeah. conceived right at the peak of the right at the beginning yep. of the pandemic yep and a lot of those energies coming in 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 2020 whether conceived or born i have a my um best friend's daughter who i call my niece too because she is she was born in april 2020 and like those energies coming in i mean and and and, and beyond i mean there's a lot of them are still too young to be able to kind of recognize these unique capabilities yet but Oh my goodness. I mean, she was like, I remember meeting her. She was like 18 months speaking full sentences, like, full, like it, it's incredible. Some of like trying, starting to track some of these really unique capabilities and sort of these advanced behaviors of these children, you know, born in uh, like, you know, in the last 10 years, but especially in my opinion, since um, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, from 2022 to 2025, 2025 to 2027, post 2020. I mean, there's all of these, I keep getting all of this information. I'm actually about to talk to this, this woman who does similar work. Um, you know, she tracks these kind of like incoming kind of generations. Like, she, you know, she kind of tracks the generations and what are the qualities of these generations. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating. It's amazing. 
It's really, really cool. Yeah. Well, there's so much we can say on this, but yeah, this, this is a whole other topic. says, <laughs> <laughs> so, Emily, this was so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank How you. can people connect with you and learn more about your work? Particularly people who are like, oh my God, I want, I, I want to work with her. Like what, what are you available for right now in this season? Where can people learn more? Yes. So, um, you can connect with me on Instagram that I, you know, share lots of different stories and anecdotes and also just updates on me and my work on there. Um, you can also at the links there you can get on my newsletter which is also a great place to get information that's where Sam got the information about the mentorship so it is really truly it is a good place to be and I do put very important announcements there some people are like you know should I, do I need to be on your newsletter? I'm like, yes, you do. Yes. It's important. I also have a podcast that I'm no longer active on anymore, but I have a great archive of different episodes talking about all different kinds of things, intuitive development, spirit babies. I've got some cool spirit baby meditations on there, a meditation to meet your spirit guides. So there's lots of stuff, um, lots of great content on the podcast. Um, just again, prioritizing other podcast uh, projects, um, prioritizing other podcasts. Literally I'm, 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 I'm doing that. Um, and I'm writing a book right now, which is coming out in spring 2023 all around spirit babies and it's coming out in spring 2023 yeah, yeah. oh my god i know <gasps> i know yeah that's that's a kind of a new announcement i've just found that out in the last couple of weeks or so so yeah it's soon i'm shook yeah i know i wasn't i didn't know if it was gonna be possible you know but just starting to work with this publishing team and they're like okay we can make it happen so we're looking at definitely before the end of may definitely before the end of may um potentially you know sooner than that so oh my god i'm so excited yeah it's gonna be so so great um so yeah so my book podcast instagram emily the medium you know all the links are in the show notes i'm currently full for mentorships um uh, for the first kind of um three to four months of 2023 um but we'll be kind of you know, opening up more spots, hopefully in, you know, spring, right around that kind of spring time, 2023 as well, if that's something that's piqued your interest. So the mentorship is awesome and get on the newsletter. It really is really valuable. Like there's so many things and she doesn't, she doesn't spam me. I like, really don't really spam. Are- I promise. I promise. Yes. Emily has a connection resource on her website where she lists practitioners yes. who do different types of healings and energy work. I'm going to be listed. I'm very excited yes, in the spring. And she has others. So if you are listening to this and thinking, wow, I want to have a reading. I've never had anything or I have, but I want to have another one. Uh, that is a great resource. They've all been people that have connected with or that um, Emily knows personally, has vetted and may be what you're looking for. Yes. And and that is really something that I wanted to create, you know, when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to keep up with the frequency of readings that I was, you know, that there was demand for is um, created this. Actually, this is one of the things that I, you know, birthed in 2022 was this, um, this, this connection point, this team of people, which I always wanted to have, you know, a team. And, and now I do, and it's so much fun. Um, and Sam will be joining of course too, and Nadia too, hopefully. So there's amazing practitioners on there and will continue to be amazing practitioners on there that, that you can check out and book with and that sort of thing too. So amazing. Emily, thank you so much for all of your time. I'm so, so grateful to have you and to know you and to share your story and your insights. Thank you, Sam. This was such, such a beautiful conversation and such great, 
questions and we went so many different places that, that I've never gotten to go before or ask, you know, you asked beautiful questions that I've never been asked before, which I've done a lot of podcast interviews, so it's hard, um, but you did it Love. beautifully and gracefully and uh, just so much gratitude for you. And so, so grateful that we can't, that our past collided in 2022 and can't wait to see what we get to do together in 2023. So thank you for having me. 